Welcome to 30 Brave Minutes, a podcast of the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of North Carolina at Pembroke. In 30 Brave Minutes, we'll give you something interesting to think about. I'm Richard Gay, Dean of the College of Arts and Sciences, and with me are Associate Deans Ashley Allen and Joanna Hersey. Joining us is Dr. Modi Bari, Professor of Philosophy and Religion here at UNCP. Now get ready for 30 Brave Minutes. Good afternoon, Dr. Inbari. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Of course, we're delighted to have you today. I was hoping you could start out just telling us a little bit about um, your role here at UNCP and an overview really quickly on your research. Okay. So I, um, I, I got my PhD in Israel, in Jerusalem, at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem in Jewish studies. And I came to the United States in 2007. I think, you know, it's been so long, I already forgot. And uh, yeah, so I spent uh, one year in Florida, at the University of Florida, and two years uh, at Brandeis University in Massachusetts. And then I came to UNC Pembroke. And uh, ever since then, I climbed through the ladder of the, um, of uh, you know the, the ranks, and I'm a full professor, and I teach the Department of uh, Philosophy and Religion. I teach general classes about uh, uh, religious studies, and then most specific classes in my field of expertise in Judaism, in Islam, in religious violence, and religious fundamentalism. And uh, so I already said that this is my, my field that I, the field that I teach, that I'm expert in is religious uh, radicals, uh, religious radicalism. And, um, and this is the subject that I studied. Uh, so far, I've published four books on uh, different aspects of Jewish uh, religious uh, movements, uh, radical movements, fundamentalist movements. And... Um, the research that I'm currently uh, working on is actually is um, is related, but not exactly the same. Uh, from uh, 2018, I, I've been studying uh, American evangelical uh, attitudes toward the Jews and the state of Israel, and this is the subject of our conversation today. Absolutely. We're excited to talk about uh, your research findings, um, maybe compare them to your previous research findings so we can kind of look at that change that you that you saw and um, that I think everyone has found very interesting and maybe talk about some of the reasons uh, for the change, maybe. Yes, absolutely. So, as I said, in 2017, we I started and I teamed up with other two other members of the campus uh, with uh, Kirill Boomin, who recently left us, and Gordon Bird, and um, we came up with a, with a project to to conduct a survey that would um, ask American evangelicals to. Um, to, to check their attitudes toward the Jews and uh, the state of Israel. And uh, indeed, we were able to fundraise and get, uh, and get everything set. We wrote, a, we wrote a questionnaire, and this was a, a really detailed project that we were all doing for the first time. We never done it before. And we, were, and we were able to get the support of the college, of the university. We were able to find other funders outside of the university. And we 
and we conducted this survey. And the results were very interesting. We saw very strong support overall for American evangelicals toward the state of Israel. And, um, but we did see something that triggered our interest, which was that uh, if you break down according to ages, we see that the older evangelicals are very enthusiastic about Israel, but younger evangelicals are less. But uh, when we conducted the first survey in 2018, we only had 147 young evangelicals. So we knew that this is a small amount of, uh, it's too small of a sample to make any major uh, you know, claims about young evangelicals compared to old evangelicals. So we decided to, to conduct another survey just and to concentrate on young evangelicals. And this is where we applied for the College of Art and Science uh, Fellowship. And we are very grateful that you were able to support us. And of course, the money was not enough. Running this service is very expensive. We were able to find other sources outside of the university. And indeed, in 2021, we conducted this research on young evangelicals. So we had a four year, like a three years break between the two surveys. And with the budget that we had, we could only survey 700 young evangelicals under the age of 30. And uh, the results that we uh, received were very interesting. And if we compare the numbers from 2018 to 2021, we saw a sharp decline in support for Israel among uh, young evangelicals. And now we are trying to figure out, you know, why, you know, and we can talk about that. And so first of all, there is this why that is the sample. You know, we had in the first survey, we had a small sample. In the second, we had a larger sample. So maybe the larger sample is more accurate than the smaller sample. But there are probably more than just the size of the sample that's much bigger than, uh, than uh, just the size of the sample. And it is about generational gaps and differences. Mm-hmm. among the evangelical communities. The more, and the more we study it and the more we learn, we realize that there is a sharp generational difference in the United States between older people and younger people. And it's not just evangelicals, it's also true for other uh, parts of the American society. And these uh, differences are, uh, we, we saw them on Israel, uh, but as we learn other research, we see that uh, it's true about other things as well, and not just Israel. And um, so, yeah, these are the these are the the major findings that we had in this in this research. There's a sharp generational uh, divide among the evangelicals on the question of Israel. Young evangelicals seem to be more center and even left than. Uh, on the on the political spectrum, uh, whereas typically we think of evangelicals as on the right side of the spectrum, but our research has shown us that at least when it comes to the young generation of American evangelicals, this is not correct and it's not accurate to to put them on the on on the right side of this political spectrum on many aspects. This brings up so many really fascinating questions that I have that I hope we'll be able to get to over the course of our conversation today. But would you talk a little bit about how you defined evangelical in your study? Yeah, so we took the easy path, which is 
if someone identifies himself, herself as evangelical, this was good enough for us. There are ways to identify evangelicals in the more, uh, you know, in the more nuanced ways. Uh, if you believe that the, that the whole Bible is true, um, so there are, there are ways to. But the, the thing with surveys is that you pay according to uh, the questions that you ask. So the more questions you add to the survey, the more it costs. So we had to take into this to account also that so we this, we chose the path the the cheaper path we just basically asking the participants if they are evangelicals and if they say yes then they are evangelicals for us so now but it does raise a few questions that you uh, that you may think of so typically when when we think in the political spectrum about evangelicals and we took these surveys during the Trump period and. Um, we typically think about white evangelicals. So it, it comes automatically that evangelicals are white. But from our different surveys that we have conducted and the studies that we have, do, we have done and others have done, we realize that um, the white component of the evangelical community is about 60%. It's a majority, but it's not a super majority. It's not like they're all white. And there are about, about 25% of evangelicals who are black. Uh, and, uh, and about 10% or more of a Hispanic, and the Hispanic portion of the evangelical community is actually growing. So, so this is one thing. So who are evangelicals? Typically, when, when, uh, when someone asks uh, this question, typically you think about white people, but then we realize it's not accurate. It's not so accurate to say that. So another question that you think about evangelicals, so you typically think about people who are very religious, because it's a religious uh, uh, definition. But then from our research, uh, we realized that there's a spectrum of religious behaviors that people I, that as identify as evangelical. Some of them will go to church a lot and will read the Bible every day and will pray every day. Some of them seldom or even never do that. But they are still identifying as evangelicals. Right. That reminds us that, you know, it's it's very tempting to draw generalizations. And the more we tease into uh, any type of identification, it uh, becomes more complex than it might seem on the surface as well. I One of the questions that came to mind was if, if and you probably haven't had a chance to study this, perhaps, is I'm curious if there's any geographic difference, uh, for example, a, a difference uh, in the South from uh, of the United States compared to North. Have you had a chance to look at it geographically in any way? Yeah, absolutely. Our surveys were taken all over the United States. And um, what we have noticed that there is not so much a difference of opinion when it comes to the question of Israel between evangelicals who are in the north, south, west, or east. Doesn't mean they're all thinking very similarly. So, but the majority of evangelicals are concentrated in the south and in the uh, north uh, east. Yeah. How many questions are in your surveys in general? So. Um, there are about 40 questions, uh, not including demographic questions that, that add an additional 12, 13 questions. Yeah. So if I, if I want to say something just about, you know, some of the generalization about evangelicals and uh, the question of Israel. So there is no geographical difference between how evangelicals think about the question. 
we also realize that when it comes to the question of Israel, evangelicals don't even, uh, there's no racial difference between them typically, between, so white evangelical and black evangelical and an Hispanic evangelical would tend to think in a similar way to uh, those questions. Well, I was curious just about, you said it was taken um, during the Trump period, and I know that there was a little bit of uh, disassociation for some uh, Christians who might have said, okay, I don't want to be identifying as that evangelical or that white evangelical. And I think it's interesting, given that your people were opting in to that identity in taking your survey. So I did you have any kind of definition, I guess, that accompanied the question? So something like, you know, are, do you identify as an evangelical, evangelical meaning X, Y, Z, or was it whatever that person thought evangelical meant? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So our question was, the opening question of the survey was, are you an evangelical and, bo or, and born again Christian? And so we added this born again label to the evangelical in order to include people that may feel uncomfortable with the evangelical label, but they are evangelicals, yes. They are evangelicals without calling themselves evangelicals. So they're born again, but they're not evangelical. Okay, so we wanted to include those as well. And what we understood is that um, black evangelicals don't, don't like to associate with this label of evangelical. So they would opt to the born again rather than the evangelical. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Thank you for including that. I wasn't sure. Um, Okay, so in terms of the findings and the whys, I'm really curious. I mean, of course, multifaceted, as you said, probably a lot of reasons why we might see this dip in support for Israel. What are some of the leading theories that you guys are considering? And are you going to pursue an additional study to address that? Yes, so... Uh... What we, what we think uh, that is happening, so there is a generational divide between uh, the evangelicals. And I think in the Trump period, uh, this uh, divide is, was sharpened because of Trump behavior and Trump, you know, attitudes. And so the younger evangelicals were looking at their parents and their grandparents who were like supporting Trump. And they felt, eh, we don't. We, we are not associating with this. So, uh, and this is, uh, this is what kind of think show brought into the decline in support for Israel. So the kind of disassociation from their parents and their grandparents, which we can see, which it's normal, you know, when we were younger, <laughs> we also wanted to be different from our parents. And, um, and another thing is that um, American evangelism historically was very much co connected to prophecy. So the, the end of days are coming, Jesus is coming. And, but you cannot say Jesus is coming for 50 years and without nothing, been, <laughs> without creating any impact. So either, either he's here or if he's not here, then maybe we need to rethink about some of those statements, yes? So... 
what is happening with the younger evangelicals that they are opting to new evangel evangelical ideologies. So what we have uh, realized that uh, there are three major ideological, eschatological, eschatology means the end of days, views among the uh, evangelicals. So one, one is called premillennial dispensationalism, uh, which was the dominant uh, uh, ideology among the older generations. Premillennial dispensationalism is an ideology that argues that the, the second coming of Christ is an event that's going to happen in the near future. Amillennialism is an ideology that says basically that we don't really expect Christ to come. So if he'll come, if there will be a second coming, hallelujah, but if not, it's fine. We're not really waiting for that. And then there's postmillennial ideology uh, that... Um, expect that the second coming of Christ will come at the end of the messianic process. So it kind of builds onto human behavior. And as a process, it's very optimistic. And so premillennial dispensationalism had been historically the ideology of the evangelicals. But when we ask these questions in our survey, we realize that young evangelicals do not support premillennial dispensationalism. So there is an ideological shift in its, its on the theological uh, view of history. Uh, it's not just Trump or Biden or things of that sort. It, it's much deeper into the ideology of what evangelism means. This change between the generation is creating shifts in many, many ways that are deep, that are under the currents, uh, the deepest, uh, the strongest support among young evangelicals is for amillennialism. Basically, they are not basically expecting the second coming to happen. This is Chancellor Robin Cummings, and I want to thank you for listening to 30 Brave Minutes. Our faculty and students provide expertise, energy, and passion driving our region forward. Our commitment to Southeastern North Carolina has never been stronger through our teaching, our research, and our community outreach. I want to encourage you to consider making a tax-deductible contribution to the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of North Carolina at Pembroke. With your help, we will continue our impact for generations to come. You can donate online at unct.edu slash give. Thanks again for listening. Now back to more 30 Brave Minutes. So how does Israel or our thinking about Israel and supporting Israel as evangelicals, how does that play into that premillennialist idea? Premillennialist idea uh, connected the second coming of Christ with the state of Israel. So it means that uh, the, the state of Israel needs to be kind of like the base on which the second coming would take place. And so it really much connects with, uh, with, a, with a strong, independent Jewish state. And um, so, as, as I said, uh, now most young evangelicals do not, do not um, believe in that anymore. They are kind of like uh, they are shifting their ideological views of the millennium to other aspects. So now, how would they explain? So there still there is some support for Israel among them, uh, and now the, the, the argument has shifted to see Jews as God's people. And so the view of Israel is now connected with the Bible or what the Bible has said. And this connects with another aspect of evangelism, which is to read the Bible literally. 
So evangelicals today are less concerned about the second coming because they're kind of like disappointed from uh, the prophecies that have not been fulfilled. But they are still looking at the question of Jews and Israel from a different perspective, which is from a biblical literalist uh, point of view that argues mm. that the Jews are the God's chosen people. Dr. Inbari, I find this very fascinating, the, the, your, your study in general. And I had a couple of questions because uh, relating to the, like, just the timeline, because, you know, Y2K happened, what, 22 years ago, right? So many of the people who uh, are ca categorized as young evangelicals in your study, you know, um, are of the age group that are that they were born after after Y2K, and so um, I, I'm I assume that they had heard of the expectation of things happening at the at the millennium, and uh, so perhaps there's some type of letdown uh, that nothing happened in the year 2000, and I was curious if you have taken a look at the uh, news stories, what type of uh, events were taking place in Israel during the time leading up to the admin administering of your survey? Because uh, things that uh, we hear in the you know, popular press and stuff could impact you know, public decision on, on the, the state of Israel. So have you taken a look at those yet? And uh, what have you seen? Yes. So it's very, thank you for this question, because then I'll tell you a little bit about the methodology that we have done. So we've asked the question in the, when it comes to the Israeli-Palestinian dispute, where do you place your support? And we gave a, a scale of seven options from supporting the Palestinians to supporting Israel and in, in between support neither or I don't know. And, um, and then the follow-up question was to type down an explanation why you chose one over the other. So from, from those uh, written responses, we can learn a lot about the mindset of those who participated in the, in the survey. And so uh, definitely, those who said that they support the Palestinians, about one third of the, of the, of the participants, have used the language of uh, social justice and compared the Palestinian uh, example to the African-American, yes, of, of oppressed communities and, you know, uh, white privileges uh, versus, you know, oppressed communities. So the language of social justice was very prevailing. But there's something interesting, but about half of those who said that they support the Palestinians, when we asked them to, to rationalize in words why they chose this option, the, many of them wrote in all kinds of ways, I don't know. And this is very interesting insight. So basically it means that they support the Palestinians, they cannot really rationalize why they support them. It is their gut feeling. Those who said that they support Israel, in most cases they had an, uh, an answer to respond. They, they, they said it was because of the Bible or because they, there was an answer. But many, about half of those who said they support the president, really cannot rationalize why. So what does it mean? It's a very interesting uh, exercise. What does it mean? It means that their gut feeling is working here. They think that they need to support the oppressed side. Yes. So whereas the typical evangelical answer would be you need to support Israel because 
Jews are God's people or because of the second coming, a, a big portion of the survey kind of work the opposite. They feel that they need to support the other side and they really cannot rationalize why. It's just their gut feeling. So does this stem from the idea that the oppressed is sort of synonymous with just being right or, I don't know, needs to be vindicated in some kind of way? I think it's coming from the, the notion that you need to stand with the oppressed. And we, we think this is the period of the Trump. This was the time of the all the big demonstrations in the United States during the Trump period. So this correlation between Palestinians and African Americans kind of was working. And some of them even wrote it, wrote really in their explanations that they they support the African American and they support the Palestinians because these are like uh, like intersectionality. Like the oppressed people need to work together against the oppressors. So. This was really, we saw it very clearly in the, in the responses. So if we can uh, rationalize, you know, if we can look at it from a multi-generational perspective, the, the older generations might have supported Israel because they looked at, Israel, at the Jews as the oppressed because they came out of the Holocaust. And, mm-hmm. yes, but now their children, the young people, are looking at Israel as the oppressors and the Palestinians as the oppressed. That's really fascinating to contextualize it that way. I hadn't thought about it in those terms. I was thinking about perhaps the cyclical nature of this when I was thinking about the Y2K question. You know, I was wondering if over time there would be fluctuations just based upon uh, the age and how close one was uh, associated with some type of historical event or oppression or or such thing. So uh, it's a fascinating study. Thank you. So I'm very happy to let you know that we decided we decided to move forward and to try to compare it with um, another religious religious community in the United States. And uh, we decided to conduct a research uh, among American Catholics. And we were able to team up with members of other universities and to pump funds together. Prices of surveys are keep coming up and going up and higher and higher. We need to raise down more money than we did in the past. And so, uh, but we were able to conduct a survey among American Catholics. The results came today. I really cannot say anything about them, but the results came today. And I was just over this morning, was looking at the numbers. They were very fascinating. And then it will give us an opportunity to tell something about Catholics and Jews and to tell something comparative between evangelicals and Catholics. And I'm already starting to think ahead. How can I walk? How can I move this forward? I'm thinking that maybe the Catholic research will try to uh, duplicate it in Europe in some place, maybe in Poland or maybe in Ireland. Mm -hmm. So then we will have like a bigger picture of the Catholic world. And I'm thinking about American Jews. So after studying Catholics and evangelicals, maybe American Jews and ask them what they think about Israel. Well, that'll give us lots of, to talk about next time we get together and have you have you with us for a chat. Thank you so much for talking to us about your work. So could you talk a little bit about your your recent publications and your uh, folks reaching out to you as an expert in the field? Yeah, that's that's true. These are two different things. Um, I would say that the, um, the study of American young evangelicals, uh, we decided to give it as an exclusive to a journalist after we got the results and we worked on them a little bit. So, and, and 
this was a good choice to do, and uh, we gave it to the exclusives. It was the opening article of that uh, newspaper, the uh, website, and and then others. Uh, it's just an amazing avalanche of reporters calling us and asking us for the data and the results and this and that. We were very busy and, and uh, giving interviews. I was uh, interviewing for the radio, live TV, and what not every everywhere and um, and uh, yes yeah, so last time we checked uh, we saw that there were more than 100 uh, newspapers have reported about this research and uh, you know we stopped counting and and ever since then i became like an expert so when the press are looking for an expert they are coming to me and so this i keep giving interviews all the time yes <laughs> about this subject and the, regarding the question about my publication so yes so i'm a scholar of jewish orthodoxy and i i've published four books on jewish orthodoxy and um, now uh, i have a contract next year there will be another book coming up i wrote a biography of the of a wife of one of the famous rabbis in in jerusalem so this is very unique because nobody they all write the biographies of the rabbis nobody write biographies of their wives and so uh, it's very unique and uh, hopefully it will create some uh, attention and people will read the book and there will be reviews and i just want to say that also the evangelical project is also coming up as a book and uh, we signed a contract with oxford university press and it will also uh, be published next year so next year there's going to be a lot of publications two books that i have authored that's quite an impressive record there. I don't see where you have time to to have a conversation with us with those two book contracts uh, uh, waiting for you. Uh, must be difficult to sleep at night knowing you've got that those ready to do. But I know you're up to the task because you you are very productive in the area of scholarship. So uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. Um, I think people will find uh, the results that you've had on your survey very interesting, and hopefully they'll be inspired to look up some of your publications, and uh, they'll recognize your name when they pick up the newspaper. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. This podcast was edited and transcribed by Joanna Hersey, and our theme music was composed by Riley Morton. This content is copyrighted by the University of North Carolina at Pembroke and the College of Arts and Sciences. It is to be used for educational and non-commercial purposes only and is not to be changed, altered, or used in any commercial endeavor without the express written permission of authorized representatives of UNCP. The views and opinions expressed by the individuals during the course of these discussions are their own and do not necessarily represent the views, opinions, and positions of UNCP or any of the, its subsidiary programs, schools, departments, or divisions. While reasonable efforts have been made to ensure that information discussed is current and accurate at the time of release, neither UNCP nor any individual presenting material makes any warranty that the information presented in the original recording has remained accurate due to advances in research, technology, or industry standards. Thanks for listening, and go Braves!